you can turn to Second Thessalonians chapter three if you want to. You know, I mean, I'm not trying to force anything on you here, okay? But if you don't turn over there, I, I'm going to be highly offended. <laughs> I'm joking. Yeah, yeah, it'll be in my next letter to all you people. <laughs> To those of you who don't like to read your Bible. Anyway, 2 Thessalonians chapter 3. We'll get to this here in just a moment. I have observed, and I'm sure you may have as well, that depending on who is the president, there's a lot of complaining that goes on in the body of Christ. And really, for some Christians, it's almost like it doesn't matter who's in the White House. They complain. But, one of the things that I've noticed is, so many, and this is all a relative term, you know, so many. Well, how many is that? I don't know, but a lot. So many Christians, they fuss and complain about, our freedoms are being taken away from us. You know, we're, we're, kids can't pray in school. Kids can't read the Bible in school. Uh, they take away the Ten Commandments out of the courtrooms and out of the schools, and you're telling us we can't do this and we can't do that, and you know they're they're just coming at us from all different directions, and you know we need a change in our government. We need a president who will stand with us when it comes to the things of God. We need people in the House of Representatives and in the Senate who will stand with us with us when it comes to the things of God and so forth. And I'm sure all of you have heard similar sentiments from people. But my question is, what difference will that make? You say, well, gee whiz, Brother Martin, you know, pull your head out of the sand. You know, what difference will it make? Well, it'll make a big difference. You know, we have uh, leaders, politicians, people in positions of authority who are what you might call gospel sympathizers. In other words, they're okay with Christianity and the Bible and all that. Okay, great. But what difference is that going to make? And I know right about now people will be thinking, well, what, what are you talking about? What difference will that make concerning an outpouring of the Holy Spirit and revival. What difference will it make? I've got news for you. It won't make any difference whatsoever. Because an outpouring of the Holy Spirit and revival is not dependent on who's the President of the United States, who's in the House of Representatives, who's in the Senate. It doesn't matter. Who's the Governor? Who's the Mayor? It doesn't matter. It flat out doesn't matter because my prayers are not dependent upon who's in authority. My worship is not dependent upon who's in authority. My Bible reading, my meditation, my confession, my fasting, none of this, none of it is dependent upon who's in the seat of authority. Just look at the New Testament. You know, we talk about, well, we'd like to have a, we want to have a New Testament church. Have you forgotten that Rome was in charge during the New Testament church? 
do you not understand that Christians were not allowed to have their own church building? That in some areas, depending upon you know, who was the Roman governor or whatever in a region, Christians were tortured and killed. And you had Caesars who had Christians tortured and killed. But look what happened. You know, the gospel still was spread. We still had revival. It still happened. And so therefore, when it comes to us seeing an outpouring, and when it comes to having revival, if our, if our attention is on who gets elected to whatever position, guys, we're missing it. We should be looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. It doesn't, it doesn't matter because, see, if you're not going to pray now, what makes us think you're going to pray when the next person's elected? You know, a lot of people want to talk about our previous president and how he was so um, supportive of the gospel and speaking the name of Jesus and so forth. Well, praise God for that. Who prayed? <laughs> In other words, when we had that kind of leadership, were we praying and confessing and fasting and all of that to believe in for you know an outpouring and revival? Let's be honest, the truth is, no, not really. I mean, we did, but I'm talking about like in the body of Christ. And really for us who understand these things, we really weren't doing it as much as we could have. I'm talking, you know, the sum total of everybody. And so now, here we have, uh, you know, you've got a president and leadership and so forth, and people complain, you know, they, why, they're just, they're evil and they're the devil and it's Jezebel and all this other kind of stuff. Okay, well, are we pressing into God now? See, we can have an outpouring and we can have revival, absolutely. We know we can based on what's in Scripture. But it's not dependent on who's in charge. It's dependent upon what we do as believers. You know, you can have a president who's born again, spirit-filled, and publicly talks about praying in tongues and fasting and getting into the Bible and, and uh, worshiping God. And we think, glory, 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 now we're going to have revival. No, not if we don't do our part. God said, if my people, which are called by my name. He didn't say, if my person, who's called by my name. He didn't say, if my king or president. He said, my people. If my people. That's us. That's us. Now, in Second Thessalonians chapter 3, look at verse 13. But ye, brethren... Be not weary in well-doing. Well, what does that mean? Well, it, it means believe that what you're doing is working. And we see a little bit more about this over in Galatians. Uh, Galatians chapter 6. It's like the same statement, but more is added to it. The same writer the Apostle Paul, but here in Galatians chapter 6 and verse 8, he says, For he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption, but he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. 
Let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. What is the well-doing when it comes to seeing an outpouring and, and seeing revival? Well, prayer, fasting, worship, and the Word. That's the well-doing. And he says, don't be weary in well-doing. Why would you become weary? It's because you don't believe anything's happening. It's because you don't believe that anything is going to happen. And, and you begin having these feelings, these thoughts of, you know, I've been doing this, and not seeing anything. Here in our church, we've been doing these things, we're not seeing the results, where are all the people? And that leads to a weariness. Well, no, it, it can lead to a weariness. And no matter who you are, you're going to be faced with weariness knocking on your door. You know, why do you keep doing this? You know, why am I continuing to do this? I'm not seeing anything. I know, for me, there are people I've prayed for for years. And you too. I mean, you, there are people in your life, people you know, you prayed for for years. And you're wondering, man, you know, I keep praying, keep praying. And uh, there are some people, there's hardly a day goes by that I do not call their name out before God. And if I stood here and told you who it is, some of you would say, well, I know that person. I call their name out before God. And I confess their, the change in their life, that they're born again and filled with the Holy Spirit and in the church that God knows would be best for them. See, God knows that once somebody gets born again, whether or not they will or will not accept the teaching of being filled with the Holy Spirit and speaking in tongues. Now, He knows how they're going to respond to that. So therefore... In that case, for that person, the best church for them could be a church that doesn't teach speaking in tongues. The key is born again, all right? <laughs> that's the key. So that's why I say, you know, I father that they're in their church that you know would be best for them and so forth. And you know, you do this and you do this, and you don't see anything. In some cases, the people, they start acting worse. It's like, someone really ought to slap them. And, yeah, yeah, Lord, if you tell me to do it. Well, you know, you, you know what they're doing. And in some cases, you've got people that, uh, they never even, that you know, been born again. Then you have some been born again, and, and they're kind of backslidden, and, and so on and so forth. You know, all different stages of a walk with God, or lack thereof. So you pray, you confess, you confess and you pray and you know, call those things that aren't as though they were and you don't see anything. You, don't, you just don't see anything. And you can start to wonder, what's going on? Why is it like this? What, you know, and you don't want to accuse God, but you, it's almost like you want to say, God, are you not listening I know I'm praying according to your will because it's not your will that any perish. You sent your Son. Whosoever believeth, everlasting life. You know, God, why aren't you doing anything? You know, you don't want to say that. It kind of dances around in the back of your head. <laughs> and you don't want to say it, even though you know He knows what's dancing around in the back of your head. Well, 
You know, the Lord has reminded me. I remember one time I was praying about some people in a particular situation. God, you know, I want to see them change. You know, I want you to move in their lives. Because I've been praying, confessing, and all this. And he asked me, he says, what makes you think I'm not? (laughs) And I kind of, you know, I stopped and I got to thinking about it. And he went on to explain how that when we pray for somebody, whatever the, the need would be, salvation or, you know, restoration, deliverance, you know, it doesn't matter. When we're praying for somebody, and we're praying in line with the will of God, meaning we're not praying, oh God, strike them dead, I'm tired of looking at their ugly face. No, when we're praying in line with His Word, He is moving. Father, may the Holy Spirit bring about conviction. May the... You need to understand, He is. There's conviction. You may not see it in their lives. There's conviction going on. Some way, somehow. It's happening. We don't see it. Now, the thing is, we don't really need to see it. The end result is what is important. Not what we see openly. The end result. Because theoretically, it's possible the people you're praying for, starting tomorrow, you'll never see them again and never hear from them again, ever, in your life. They will, whatever, you know, I ain't talking to you no more, move away, whatever. I mean, that, theoretically, that's possible. But, as long as you keep praying, guess what? God's moving. Now, He's, he's doing Everything he can. Everything that he knows needs to be done, he's doing it. He cannot violate their will and make them get it right. Repent, whatever. He won't do that. But he is working. He is. So therefore, for us, Be not weary in well-doing. The more that we're praying, the more that we're interceding, confessing, you know, lifting these people up before God, we we really need to remember He loves them more than we ever could. But along with that, we need to keep in mind, I may not be seeing anything, but God's doing something in their lives. You know, I prayed God... Send an angel to visit them. You know, it'll scare them in the middle of the night or whatever. Uh, and, and I know, if, an, if something like that, if God knows something like that is a must-do, then you need to know an angel's going to show up in the middle of the night and scare the stink out of them. And, and yeah, they'll probably respond in a very positive way. <laughs> oh, Jesus! But we can't be weary. We, can't, we cannot allow ourselves to be captured by the weariness of doubt that nothing's happening. We have to believe something is happening because it always happens in the realm of the Spirit regardless of what we see in the natural. Always. Always. There was a story in the Old Testament 
I don't remember chapter and verse, and I don't remember all the names of all the people involved, the kings and, and all this other. But um, there was a prophet, and he had a servant, and um, all these, the, the evil uh, king and, and his soldiers were coming and so forth, and, and going to surround them and capture and all that other. And the prophet said, in essence, he says, you know, God, open my servant's eyes to let him see what's going on. Well, God opened the servant's eyes and the servant can see the angelic army. <laughs> you know, greater is he that's with us. Greater is he that's with us, in us, but with us, than he that's in the world. And the servant saw that it's like, oh my goodness, yeah. Why do we need to be afraid? Well, see, we have to have that kind of an attitude when it comes to what we're doing. Not Do not be weary in the well-doing. Now, this goes right along with the whole aspect of seeing revival, seeing an outpouring. It can be easy for us to lose focus of what outpouring slash revival is about here. It, it, let's call the Miami Valley. Because, let's just be honest, guys, we want to see this room filled. And we want to see the next facility we're in filled. We want to see that. You know, we want to see more anointed musicians and singers sold out to Jesus, you know, on the platform and leading and facilitating praise and worship. I mean, there all these different things. We want to see this. We haven't seen it so far. But we want to see it. We, but see, here's the thing. In the realm of the Spirit, we do not know what's coming. But ultimately, it's not about this church, it's about the people in this region. Regardless of what church they end up attending. Because, think about it. The people that you know, that you've been praying for, friends, family members, whatever, and whether they're born again or not, you know, their lives are not right. Isn't it better for them to be restored to God and in a church that will not deny Jesus is the Christ. Whether they're here or not, isn't it better for them to be right with Jesus? Absolutely it is. And so that's the focus we have to maintain. Outpouring and revival, it's not simply about this church. It's about the people in this region. So, when we pray along those lines, yeah, God's moving. He absolutely is moving. One of the things I've prayed is that, that there are churches out there, they're not doing this. I mean, if, if they're going to be more hindrance than help to the kingdom, they need to shut down. The pastors need to be removed. Absolutely removed. There needs to be major transition. There, quite frankly, based on what I know, there need to be a lot of empty churches in this area. Now that's my position. <laughs> I don't see what God sees because His grace is sufficient to give them plenty of opportunity to make it right. Well, he, He's trying. Now look over in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians 15. So, God tells us if we continue to sow to the Spirit, we're going to reap. But it it doesn't mean 
reap as in, oh, how can I say this? When people are born again, it doesn't necessarily mean that I'm the one who led them to Jesus. Even if I've been praying for them for years. Remember, the Apostle Paul was writing, and he talked about, you know, one person sows, and then one person waters, God gives the increase, and so forth. So, we're doing our part, and we, we harvest them in absentia. <laughs> in other words, you know, we're praying, praying, believing, believing, and then they get born again somewhere else. Well, praise God! That's what, it, that's what we're after. Our, in our emotions and our flesh, yeah, we want to see them packing this building. We want to be the ones who see it happen. I get that. Okay? But more importantly, is that we not become weary in the well-doing of pressing in. Now in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, look at verse 58. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable always, abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as ye know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. See that? And this word steadfast, it comes from the Greek word hedrios. It means, now, it's really a picture word, but um, here's a way to put it into words. Mentally glued in place pertaining to your thinking, purpose, and goal. Mentally glued in place pertaining to your thinking, purpose, and goal. And then the, um, the word unmovable, it's one of those Greek words. I sat back there in my office practicing how to pronounce it, and I'm not even going to try. <laughs> but it's one of those words. And uh, to present a um, more, not so much an image, but to give it a word definition, not allowing circumstances to alter you from the direction or path you're on. Unmovable. You know I mean, this is where I'm headed. This is the path I'm on. I'm not going to be moved off of this. And he says, so be steadfast, mentally glued in place, pertaining to your thinking, purpose, and goal, not allowing circumstances to alter you from the direction or path you're on, because your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Not at all. Okay. Now turn over to Acts chapter 3. I want to show you something. You know, this is a really neat story. Acts chapter 3. And this is right after the you know, day of Pentecost. Thousands were saved. Well, we pick it up in Acts chapter 3, verse 1. Now Peter and John went up together into the temple at the hour of prayer, being the ninth hour. And a certain man, lame, from his mother's womb, was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms of them that entered into the temple, who, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked an alms. And Peter, fastening his eyes upon him with John, said, Look on us. And he gave heed unto them, expecting to receive something of them. Then Peter said, Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up, and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. And he, leaping up, stood and walked and entered with them into the temple, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God, and they knew 
that it was he which sat for alms at the beautiful gate of the temple, and they were filled with wonder and amazement at that which had happened unto him. And as the lame man which was healed held Peter and John, all the people ran together unto them in the porch that is called Solomon's, greatly wondering. And when Peter saw it, he answered unto the people, Ye men of Israel, why marvel ye at this? Or why look ye so earnestly on us as though by our own power or holiness we had made this man to walk? The God of Abraham and of Isaac and of Jacob, the God of our fathers, hath glorified his son Jesus, whom ye delivered up and denied him in the presence of Pilate when he was determined to let him go. But you denied the Holy One and the just and desired a murderer to be granted unto you and killed the Prince of Life whom God hath raised up from the dead whereof we are witnesses. And his name, through faith in his name, hath made this man strong whom ye see and know. Yea, the faith which is by him hath given him this perfect soundness in the presence of you all. Well, Word spread that this was happening, and in chapter 4, verse 1, And as they spake unto the people, the priests and certain and the captain of the temple and Sadducees came upon them, being grieved, that they taught the people and preached through Jesus the resurrection from the dead. And they laid hands on them and put them in hold unto the next day, for it was now eventide. Howbeit, many of them which heard the word believed, and the number of the men was about 5,000. Verse 10, Peter is um, he's, he's on trial. And he says, Be it known unto you all, and to all the people of Israel, that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom ye crucified, whom God raised from the dead, even by him doth this man stand here before you whole. This is the stone which was set at naught of you builders, which has become the head of the corner. Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved. Now, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men, they marveled, and they took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. And beholding the man which was healed standing with them, they could say nothing against it. Verse 22, For the man was above forty years old on whom this miracle of healing was showed. All right, now, back up. So here's what we have. Peter and John, they're going into the temple. There's a gate, and they call this particular gate beautiful. There's a man there. says he's lame from his mother's womb. And he's asking for alms. So Peter and John, here they go walking in, and the man, he asked for money for them, from them, and, uh, you know, what happened? Peter and John. Peter, you know, silver gold have I none, and the man is incredibly healed. He's over 40 years old. Well, all the people were excited about this. Now, I was reading this just the other day, and, and something hit me. I saw something that I'd never seen before, and quite frankly, that I've never heard anybody teach on before. Uh, maybe you have. Maybe you've even taught on it. I don't know. But it really it hit home with me relative to what I've been sharing up to this point. Now, take a look at this. Acts chapter 3, I'll look at verse 2. And a certain man, lame from his mother's womb, was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms of them that entered into the temple. 
Notice this man was lame from his mother's womb. At some point in time, who knows, when he turned 16, 18, I don't know, they started taking him there to the temple at the gate called Beautiful so that he could ask for help. Now notice it says they did this daily. Every single day. And this guy is above 40. So let's just say he's 46 and they started taking him there when he was a 16-year-old. Which wouldn't be too far out of the question because when you got to be around 15, 16, you were kind of considered grown up. So they, let's just say they started taking him there when he was 16 years old. Now here he is, 46, so 30 years. Every single day they're taking him. Now, you know, think about back when you were 16. You probably didn't weigh as much as you do now. I know I don't. <laughs> I've added about, I don't know, two or three pounds since I was, okay, maybe a little more than that. So that he starts out age 16, and he's 150 pounds. Now, he cannot, he, he's, he's lame. He can't walk. He cannot run. He, he can't get any exercise. So there's a good chance this guy has put on some weight. Now, I'm not saying, you know, 400 pounds, but if you can't do much to burn the calories, then you can tend to put on some weight. So, he starts out at 150 pounds at age 16. Let's say now he weighs 250, which is very possible. 250 pounds. They, it says, verse 2, they carried him every day to the gate at the temple, and laid him there. And then, guess what? At night, they came back, picked him up, and carried him home. How they do that? I don't know. Maybe they had a, like a, a stretcher thing that they carried him on. Maybe somebody came by with an ox cart, and they would load him in the ox cart. I don't know. But what I do know is that every single day, in the heat, in the cold, and the in-between, they took him there. And because it says daily, I'm guessing that even maybe in bad weather, rain, maybe they had a covered cart, they would take him, and maybe they had a little thing built, that they could like put him in there to protect him from the weather. All I know is, it says here, daily, they took him there. Maybe there at that gate, there was an overhang to where he could be protected from the rain and so forth. But still, you know there were going to be days when it was not comfortable temperature-wise. So he, and he's lame, alright? So, I don't know if, have you ever sat in such a way to where like one of your legs goes to sleep? And that leg is basically useless. until and, and you know, you move it and it flops around. I mean, you can't stand on it. Because, it, all right, this guy had two legs like this. He's lame from his mother's womb. Now, these, these fellows took him there because they were concerned for his welfare. 
you're not going to do this every day for somebody you don't like. Do you understand what I'm saying? This guy had some good friends. How many? I don't know. Maybe he had ten really good friends and they alternated taking him. Or maybe it was the same people every day. I don't know. But there were people who truly cared about this guy. They were concerned for his welfare. They wanted to help him get alms. Now, I kind of read between the lines here, and my assumption is that there would have been times when they maybe had some extra money that they would give to him, or maybe give him some extra food, or maybe give him an extra blanket or you know, some extra clothing or something. No, no doubt they helped him when they could. That's just the way people are. It was work to do this. It would not have been easy. No matter, it wasn't just that this guy had to endure the weather. The people that took him there had to endure the weather. Man, it's pouring down rain. Yeah, well, you know, we need to go get, you know, Bob and get him there to the temple so he can ask for alms. So was it an inconvenience? Well, yeah. But every day, daily, they did this. And they're doing this. Now, the guy, we just, we're using the numbers, you know, for 30 years, they've been doing this. Maybe his buddies in school, they just stayed with him, and, and, you know, from age 16 on, they're taking him in. Now, here he is, age 46. 30 years later, every day they take him in, and every evening, you know, they take him back home and so forth. And this day was no different. They take him to the gate, and they, they put him down there, and they say, okay, Bob, uh, listen, you know, we're going to go to our jobs and we're going to be doing our thing, but you know, we'll come back you know, just like we do every day. You know, hope you get a lot of money today. Hope you get a lot of, you know, um, you know, maybe, maybe some extra today beyond what you normally get and so forth. And uh, so anyway, you know, God bless you, Bob. We'll see you later. And then they go off to their jobs or whatever they do. So here's Bob. And he's the same place, asking for alms. Peter and John come in and... and he sees Peter and John about to go into the temple and he asks them, Alms, please, can you help the lame man? Alms, can you help me? And Peter and John stop and they look at him. Now this, this was a day like any other day. There was nothing special about this day. The, the helpers, same old thing every day. Same old thing every day. 30 years, take him. And then bring him back home. Take him. Bring him back home. This day, no different. Take him. We'll be back later. Take you back home. Peter and John, just like anybody else. Peter and John look like every person that walks in there. The people that he's asking for alms, asking for help. And so he looks at Peter and John. You know, can you help me? Hoping maybe they will. And this time, the guy heard what he didn't want to hear. Silver and gold have I none. Now, put yourself in this position. This guy hears this, and all he wants is money to buy some, you know, a hamburger. I mean, he just, just help me out a little bit here. And then they say, well, you know, silver and gold have, have I none. And the moment they said that, what do you think went through him? Like, man, God, what do I have to do? You know, I need help. And these guys don't have anything. Maybe the thought crosses his mind, I wonder if they're lying to me. You know how fast thoughts go through your mind. And then, the, <laughs> then P- 
Peter says something. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Now, if you're that man, what are you thinking? It's like, do what? In the name of who? I, I think maybe he'd heard of Jesus. Because a lot of people back then heard of Jesus. You know, they're in Jerusalem. I mean, it hadn't been that long since Jesus was crucified. So anyway, in the name of Jesus Christ, rise up and walk. And the guy, I'm sure, here he, he's lame, and so he, you know, maybe, he's, maybe he's trying to move or something. And so Peter reaches down, grabs him by the hand, pulls him up, and boom! The guy's legs are totally and completely healed. He is not lame anymore. It says that um, immediately, verse 7, his feet and ankle bones receive strength. A total restoration. A miracle. An absolute miracle. Now the thing is, for 30 years, these people have been taking this lame man, I don't, I don't even know that his, he's ever identified by name here in Scripture, but they've been taking Bob every day to the temple. Every single day. This day is no different than any other. But they did it. it. Was it raining that day? We don't know. Was it sunny that day? Was it hot? Was it cold? What was that day like? We don't know. All we know is, it was a day like every other. They took him there, and their thinking is, hope he gets some money. His thinking is, hope I get some money. <laughs> but what did he get? They did not know that this was the day that this man was going to get a miracle. That there, now listen to me, that there was going to be an outpouring of God's Spirit with the end result being 5,000 men giving their hearts to Jesus Christ. When they went by Bob's house to, to get him, and however it was that they carried him to the temple, it was any day, like every other day, nothing different. They did not know this was the day that Bob is going to receive a miracle. They didn't know that this was the day that there was going to be an outpouring of God's glory and anointing upon Bob, and Bob was going to be restored from an infirmity that had been a part of his body since he was born. They didn't know. All they knew was, now listen, we're just doing what we've been doing every single day. We didn't know today was the day. Are you getting this? What if, what if, on that day, one of the friends came by and said, Hey, Bob, look, man, we're tired. <laughs> I mean, you know what? Maybe you should just rest today. Um, here, take a few denarii from me. Um, and we'll come by and get you tomorrow. What, what if? What if? What if they said, Bob, it's kind of cold today. Um, you know, uh, we're going to like not do this. What if? But they didn't. All those years, regardless of the weather, regardless of, of <laughs> heavy traffic, Regardless of whatever it was, they took him. And on the days when Bob didn't get much of anything, maybe the days Bob didn't get anything and they're taking him back, Bob, how'd it go today? Eh, I didn't get, I, I mean nothing. Not even a penny. Nothing. 
you know, they're gonna they're feeling kind of like, oh man, that's terrible. I don't I don't really have anything left over myself. Every day, same thing. Every day, and you don't think that there were times when those guys got a little weary and got to go get Bob and drop him off at the gate there at the temple, and then you know would you know they get busy doing their job, and it's like, man, I can't wait to get home. Oh, oh, I forgot. Got to go get Bob. Take him home. You know how people are, and you know there were times where they would have helped Bob, even though their emotions maybe weren't in it. You follow me? And they did not know that this was the day. Now, what if they were nowhere near when this happened? And then (laughs) at the end of the day, they go back to get Bob. It's like, Where's Bob? <laughs> we left him right here. Where is he? Where is he? And the, and the people are like, you didn't hear? You didn't hear? Bob got a miracle. Said, what do you mean he got a miracle? What, a miracle offering? What? No, 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 he got a, he's healed. What are you talking about healed? The guy's been lame from his mother's womb. No, 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 these, these two guys, uh, uh, Peter and John, you know, the, they told him they didn't have any money, but I mean, they got him healed. I mean, I stood and I watched Bob get up and jump and leap and run and dance. And now Bob's friends are like, you're choking me. You're crazy. No, 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 no. And right about then, here comes Bob. Woohoo! Woohoo! <laughs> Bob, is that you? <laughs> it, the scriptures here tell us they knew it was the man. They knew. Bob, what happened to you? What happened? Oh, these guys, Peter, John. Come here, listen to what they have to say. You don't think they got saved? That's why all these people got saved. For 30 years or longer, they've seen that guy in that spot. How many of those people have given him money over those years? How many people have sat down and talked with him? Just to talk to him. And now, there he is. I'm healed, I'm healed, I'm healed. You see, we want to talk about Peter and John and what they did. But you have to understand, his friends never gave up for 30 years. Now, I know they weren't believing for a miracle. I get that. But the imagery here is this. If they had given up, Bob wouldn't have been there that day. If they had said, I'm too tired. I don't feel like it. I'm not in the mood. You know, let somebody else... Do the praying. Let somebody else do the confessing. Let somebody else do the fasting. Let somebody else do the worship. I'm kind of tired. I'm just going to stay home today. I mean, it's just me. Yeah, it is just you. But what if? What if you are the person we need here for that service, for that day, for the outpouring. You see, we devalue ourselves and we don't see ourselves as being that instrumental. We don't see ourselves as being the friends of Bob. We figure it's going to happen, you know, if I'm not here, it doesn't really matter. And what about at home? You know, when these guys took Bob to and from 
they had to be prepared for whatever was necessary to take Bob to and from. Maybe they personally didn't need a cart. Maybe they could just ride their ox or whatever, their donkey. But they had, if they used a cart, they had to be sure the cart was in, in good working condition. So what I'm getting at is they had to put forth more effort to be able to help him. Now, you see, for us, we do not know when the day is coming. We don't know. We're going about everything that we do. We're, I mean, symbolically, all of our praying, our, the prayers, the fasting, the worship, the word, all of this that we do, symbolically, that's like taking Bob to and from the gate beautiful every day. Not giving up. Every day. Taking him, taking him. And every day seems like the same day. I mean, God is not, you know, like what happened in the Old Testament. You know, the finger it appeared, wrote it on the wall. Okay, well, God has it written on the wall. Next Sunday is the... Okay, we don't know. All we know is this. Be steadfast. Be unmovable. Be not weary. Because we will reap. We will reap. God said, you're going to reap. These guys were just trying to help Bob get some money to, to live another day, to, to buy food for tomorrow, whatever. But what we're doing is we are symbolically taking all the Bobs in the area back and forth through our intercessions, through our prayers, through our confession, through our worship, all of this. And <laughs> we're laying them at that gate and the day is going to come when there's going to be an outpouring and they're not going to need man's assistance anymore. Now, what we're going to see is the lame will be healed. The sick will be healed. The deaf will get to hear. The blind will be able to see. The maimed are going to be made whole. That, this is what we're doing. And we're going to, there will be people saved. When this outpouring hits and this revival takes place, whether it's in this building or just sweeps through several churches, whatever, eventually word's going to get out. Just like when this fellow got healed. Word began to spread. Not just on this day, but you know. You know that the word would have spread beyond this day. People would have said, hey, you know that guy I told you about every day, the temple? Yeah, you're not going to believe this. He got healed. You go, what? Yeah. Yeah, there were these two guys, Peter and John, and you know they tell the story. That's what's going to happen here. But we cannot become weary in the well-doing. We cannot just assume that, well, I, I'm, I'm kind of tired today, and I don't really feel like carrying the bob of prayer and worship to church today. I, I don't really feel like carrying... You know, the bob of, of uh, confession today. You, know, you, you get the imagery. I'm just going to stay home. You know, it'll be, uh, I'm just going to watch it on the internet. Well, yeah, you can, but you know in your heart what's going on. You know what you're doing. And I'm not trying to make anybody feel guilty. What I'm trying to do is help us to, to understand and see this for what it is. See this example. Like I said, I never heard it taught like this before. But his friends, if his friends had not done, 
have been consistent in what they were doing. If they had not... Here's one for you. This happened in Jerusalem at the temple. And when you read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you see more than once Jesus went to the temple. So my question is this. Did Jesus never see this guy? Did, he, did Jesus come in from a different side of the temple? I didn't do enough research to find out how many entrances there would have been. And when this guy, what if Jesus did see him? And he's asking alms, what if Jesus just gave him money and went on into the temple? You say, well, if that's true, it wouldn't be very nice of Jesus. <laughs> I can't give you all the answers, but I know this. It was in Jerusalem, it was at the temple, and more than once Jesus went to the temple. In fact, I think there's a place, I should have looked it up, I didn't. I think there's a place where it talks about Jesus being at Solomon's porch. I could be wrong on that. Now what I'm getting at is, we cannot, we've got to be like these friends that carried Bob. We have to have that diligence. And see, those guys didn't do it believing for Bob to get a miracle. They just did it so that Bob could get man's help. Okay, we're looking beyond that. And we know that it can happen. So therefore, we have to keep doing this. We have to be the friends of Bob and keep pressing in, not knowing, not knowing when, but we have to have perseverance unto the day when it happens. Because God has said it'll happen. So folks, listen, be encouraged with this. Be encouraged to know we are not wasting one syllable of praise, worship, prayer, confession. We're not wasting any time that we give to any of these things. God is honoring them. Our labor is not in vain. We're sowing to the Spirit and we're going to see a move. Glory to God. Well, please... Uh, go ahead and stand.